Uh, it depends if we're talking about your career or your, like, we'll say hobbies, because I think a lot of people make their passion into a career and end up not being passionate about it anymore because, you know, they've effectively, we'll say, commoditized it, you know, sure. which, you know, that's potentially a good thing, you know, like that's effectively what I have done, you know, but that's not necessarily what I would recommend to other people. For example, my girlfriend really enjoys like drawing, doing artistic things. Um, but every time someone asks her to like, I don't know, paint them a painting and they're like, oh, I'll pay you for it. Like she hates the process, you know, like yeah. she's, she's no longer passionate about it, you know, even though if they had just said it in passing, she probably would have done it for them, you know? Um, but once it becomes like a commodity, she's just, she loses all interest. Mm. So I find loads of people are like that um, about different things. Like again, one of my other friends, really interested in like Roman history, you know, like probably the most knowledgeable person I know about Roman history, you know? Um, and he was thinking about, Oh, how can I make this into like a career or whatever? And he tried writing some articles about it. And he was like, I actually don't enjoy this now, you know? So I don't know if we're talking about your career, you want to pick a career that you are passionate about, or at least you can get passionate about, you know? But if we're talking about your everyday life, like, chasing your passion doesn't mean that you have to monetize your your passion you know and um, but at the same time you probably should do some things again talking about the health and fitness stuff from a lifestyle perspective you should probably should be engaging in things throughout the week that do actually genuinely bring you joy you know and that could be you know going to the gym it could like that could be the thing that you're like that's what I really love. You know, it could be sports. It could be whatever, you know, it could be reading, could be, you know, recording podcasts. I don't know, like whatever it is for you. It's like, you know, the more you can engage in that meaningful um, endeavor, like that's going to be you chasing your passion, you know? And again, you, you don't have to monetize that. Like that doesn't have to be something that is monetized at the end of the day. It, it can be something that you just do as a hobby and that you derive, you know, joy from. Welcome to the Chasing Passion Podcast. My name is Dom and I'm your host. Each week, I bring on a passionate person to help you discover your own passion in life and how to begin pursuing it. Thanks for spending some time with me today and let the episode begin. Hello there, fellow humans spinning around on this giant rock that we're all in. And welcome to another episode of the podcast. My mission, my goal, my duty is to interview people who are following their passion and make a living from it. Instead of using the expression finding your passion, I like to use the term chasing passion. This means you have to experiment and try things over time until you eventually find work that you enjoy doing and that you're actually good at, which ultimately becomes your passion. Of course, our interests, what we enjoy, our curiosities might change over time which is why it's an endless pursuit, which is why we must chase it. This week, we're joined by Paddy Farrell, who's a health and fitness coach and the co-owner of Triage Method. Triage Method is an education and coaching platform that has the goal of empowering individuals through education. When it comes to health and fitness, there's a lot of misinformation out there, and Triage Method tackles the problem of what the science says and what people in the real world are actually exposed to. You can learn more about it by simply, by simply going on the website triagemethod.com where you'll find lots of available resources, 
including their free education resources, their podcast and their coach's corner. In this episode, we talk about Paddy's background, so what initially got him what got him interested in fitness in the first place. We talk about healthy habits. We talk about the importance of health and how to flourish well into your old age. We discuss some learning habits along with many other topics. Show notes for this particular episode can be found on chasingpassionpodcast.com forward slash 61. And just before we begin, do you mind leaving a short review uh, or a rating on Apple Podcasts? This will help me out so much and I would really, really appreciate it. You can do so by searching Chasing Passion on Apple Podcasts and you'll find it right there. Thank you so much for listening and without further ado, please enjoy this episode. Patty, welcome to the show. How are you? Thank you for coming on. So I guess the, a good way to start the podcast is perhaps you could tell your origin story. So how did you initially, you know, no, actually, hold on. What do you do? Uh, what, are you, what are you all about? Can you just provide some context to the listeners? Hi, well, I'm Paddy Farrell. I uh, work for a business. Well, I'm a co-owner of the business, I should say, rather than work for the business. Mm-hmm. Um, I work for uh, the business Triage Method, um, which were a kind of an online uh health and fitness business we have kind of a mixed model in terms of we provide coaching but we also provide education both in terms of education to you know the general population we write articles do blogs you know have a podcast do videos all that kind of stuff right so you know various multimedia but obviously we do coaching as well but also on the education front we coach coaches in our coaches corner and which is our little uh, kind of education hub for you know personal trainers, nutritionists, even physiotherapists, that kind of thing, right? And so that's if you were to be like, what what do you do for a living? That's what I do for a living. I run that business day to day. And as we were just discussing before we got onto this, like I did just graduate from biochemistry. The two of us just graduated yesterday, in fact. Um, obviously, when this comes Woo-hoo. out, who knows when it is? <laughs> <laughs> but. Uh, that was a bit anticlimactic because of the whole situation that's going on. But <laughs> we graduated and um, I graduated from biochemistry and I've been doing you know, the business the entire time through, like uh, pretty much from the, the start of my degree, because we started the business in 2016. And that was also when I went back to college, which getting back to the orange and doing this backwards and <laughs> going through the origin story. And I effectively had been working in as a personal trainer, fitness instructor uh, for a few years, having you know finished a degree uh, in physics and having previously done you know mechanical engineering before that, um, which I didn't really enjoy, and swapped to physics, which I also didn't enjoy, hence you know working in the fitness industry. And um, but the reason I got into the fitness industry, the health and fitness industry, I should say, because it's a broader category, was because well, firstly, I yeah. So uh, as I was saying, I kind of came to this whole thing. The reason I was working in personal training after you know doing physics and doing um, mechanical engineering, because uh, you, you, obviously you're not thinking like, oh, you do these like we'll say hard science things. Like, why are you in health and fitness? And I know that it is actually somewhat of a common 
career path. Uh, and I, I say that because a lot of people, when they don't know what to do, they're kind of like, oh, well, I like going to the gym or I like health and fitness stuff. Uh, I'm just going to become a personal trainer, you know, mm-hmm. or I'm going to work for a gym or whatever, you know, like that does happen, especially with, you know, males that, you know, are in their kind of teens or late teens to twenties. They're kind of like, I don't really know what I want to do now. So I've always liked this health and fitness stuff. Let's get into that. And that's somewhat of how I got into this. Um, but I'll come back to that because the reason I had been in into health and fitness stuff at the start was because I was kind of an overweight child. You know, even though I came from a family like there's loads of boys, like all, like everyone in my family, I think the average amount of children in my family is like five or six, you know. So everyone in my family has huge families mm. um, and I love brothers. So we'd obviously like be out playing football. You know, I used to box, you know, we'd obviously be in the local gar clubs and soccer clubs and whatever else you know um but i just like food a lot you know <laughs> and uh, that that's you know potentially an issue and um, but i was kind of always overweight you know and um, now you could argue that it was beneficial because maybe all the calories went into the fact that you know i, I grew up really tall because i'm like nearly six foot six so you know potentially that's where all the calories went you know past puberty but um uh, at the time I, I was kind of overweight and i was always overweight as a child not over overweight like I wasn't you know you wouldn't be like oh this is a very obese child but I definitely wasn't you know taking off my top and feeling confident about myself even at like you know eight nine ten I was kind of like you know I have you know kind of rolls of fat here you know so that for me I was kind of like I want to do something about that and like I come from a household that you know we always have books around like my parents are always reading like they don't really go out drinking and I, I was as a child I always really liked watching like documentaries and like as a result, my parents would, you know, get me books uh, on different topics on, you know, whatever it is, biology, you know, science or whatever. So they, were, they really did foster a an inquisitive mind, you know, we'll say that, right? So for me, it was kind of intuitive to be like, all right, well, you know, I want to do like change my physique. I want to, you know, change the, you know, my, my appearance. I'm not really happy about it. And so naturally enough, I was like, okay, well, where do you go when you want to answer questions? Like at the time, it wasn't like the internet, you know, I'm, I was born in 1992. So even though obviously the internet was around, it wasn't like, you know, easily accessible on your phone, just, you know, quickly use a search engine and find the answer. No, that was, that wasn't how you did it, especially as a child. I don't think I had a phone until I was like 12, 13, 14, maybe. Um, and it definitely didn't have internet access. I think it was like a Nokia 3200 or something <laughs> like that, you know? Um, but anyway, uh, so you just go to, to books. So obviously the books that you're a- able to get as like a 10, 11, 12 year old, especially as your parents don't know, like they're not into this stuff. So they're kind of like, oh, well, I don't know where how, how to help you know what is good information. Mm. With to this stuff. They're like, yeah, I think these are good foods to eat. And, you know, they're trying to help whatever knowledge that they've picked up from like, they're just general population people. Um, so, you know, you go to the library, you find some books. They're mainly kind of like, targeted at like you know weight loss and it's more obviously because that's a huge industry more targeted towards you know female uh, weight loss and it's all these kind of diets and you know i was like oh i don't really know what to do so i'm just going to read a few of these books try to get an idea of what everyone is doing you know you pick up like you know men's health and fitness magazines and you know different things you're just kind of like i don't really know how to understand this information or you know what know what is right or what is wrong but i'm just going to kind of accumulate uh, a bit of information read a few different sources and see what seems to be 
you know, common between them all, you know, what, like they all say they have to have a, a certain amount of protein intake, or they say don't eat carbs or do eat carbs. Or like, I was trying to just get a commonality of like, okay, where should I get, or what, what should I be doing with my diet? Um, and obviously the training side of things as well. Like I was boxing and stuff. So I was kind of like, like it, it, oddly influenced by like Dragon Ball Z and stuff, you know, as, as a oh, child. Yeah. Sort of, such a good one. Such a good one. Yeah. But grew up watching that because again, like we were in a yeah. house full of boys. So like, you know, yourself, like we're always like screaming at each other. And my <laughs> mother's like, what? why are you screaming like that? And it's like, yeah, that's what they do on Dragon Ball Z. So that's what we're going to do when we're fighting. But anyway, um, so you, you kind of look at them and they're like, oh, they're all obviously jacked. Um, so you're like, oh, well, I kind of want to look like that because they're your kind of imaginary heroes. Um, and also they obviously train. They had the hyperbolic, hyperbolic chamber and <laughs> like that. So you're like, oh, so training is obviously, you know, something that you do. So I was like, oh, I better look into that more, you know. And obviously, you, you know, training if you're, you've done sports and it's kind of the same. But you're kind of like, oh, there's you know, the, a gym that people go to. That's where they, they, they do some of this stuff. And luckily for me, um, my sister started going out with a personal trainer, right? Mm-hmm. So I was kind of like, oh, like, can you help me? And obviously he's always trying to impress my sister or whatever. So he's like, yeah, of course I'll help you, you know? Um, uh, so he was kind of taking me under his wing and, you know, teaching me how to do some different things, you know, even just at home stuff, like, oh, here's how you plan out going for a run and stuff rather than just like, you know, going for a run, hell for letter and hoping for the best, you know? And so he kind of taught me some stuff. You know, he would himself would even say, he's like, I don't know everything. I'm just, this is what you know, appears to work, you know? Mm-hmm. And, you know, that's, that's how you start. Um, and that kind of got me into the health and fitness sphere, just from obviously the learning that I just discussed, but also through that relationship with him in terms of like, he got me a job at the, the local gym that he was working at because he had started uh, working or he had started uh a cafe in that gym right so he was like branching out his business he was doing personal training but he was like you know uh, these three other personal trainers and this chef that i know there we have some money let you know there's the availability of space in here let's start a cafe so they did that and they were like he was just asking well i was kind of asking him i was like oh can i have a job so i started working in a gym there that was probably when i was about 15 probably illegal but anyway um, <laughs> so um i started working there and you know, obviously being around the gym then a little bit more, you're talking to other people, you see people, you know, I, I, and I say this all the time, I kind of did get a bit of an unrealistic expectation in terms of health and fitness stuff, because you know, you're talking to all these people and you don't know what, but the majority of these lads that are jacked out of their minds, they're all on steroids and whatever else. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, oh, like I'm kind of training with them, getting advice off them. And they're like, oh, do this, do this. And I'm just kind of like, oh, yeah, I'll just, I presume you just keep training and you look like that. And you just eat your protein, you just eat a good diet and you look like that and you get strong. So I got all these unrealistic expectations, but that kind of worked in my favor in some aspects because it allowed me to, you know, get really strong firstly, because I was just like, oh, well, like these guys are able to do this. So I just have to keep pushing. Because if you've never seen someone, you know, I don't know, squat 200 kilos, you can kind of just be like, well, everyone around me, the max I've ever seen someone squat is a hundred kilos. So obviously that's all that's, available to humanity you know that's all you know uh, you see online someone else doing something heavier or whatever and you're kind of like ah, like that's that's somewhere else you know that's not that's not the type of people that we are that i hang around with and whatever else but i'm going to this gym that's only up the road from me it's actually closed down now and um, but 
going to that, seeing these people that are from the same area as me and they're, they're jacked out of their mind. They're doing these, you know, impressive, you know, lifts for me as a 16 year old. I'm like, oh, I could do that one day, you know? So it benefited me in that regard. And I was always, as I said earlier on, very inquisitive. So I'd be asking them questions, you know, being like, okay, so like, how did you do this? Or, you know, and obviously none of them would be like, oh, it's that secret sauce. Um, but, <laughs> but, oh, I do this program or I do these exercises because it works, you know, this muscle or it strengthens up this area or I find this is beneficial. So you're asking them questions and I'm putting that together with all the stuff that I'm reading about. So obviously it's a, it's a hobby at this stage because I was still doing the boxing and obviously I was just working uh, away there and obviously you're 16 so you're doing your whatever transition year or on the, the leave insert cycle or whatever it is um and you know you're just kind of ticking away at that uh, and you're i'm just accumulating information the whole time so that was always in the back of my mind and i obviously really enjoyed the gym and especially when you know the, the leave insert cycle came around and i'm like I don't really see myself becoming a professional boxer. So, you know, do I, do I want to put all this time in, in the evening going to these set classes and whatever else, when I could just, you know, go to the gym on my own schedule and, you know, I, I can fit it around the study stuff that I have going on. So even if I give up boxing for two years, I'm like, who really cares in the grand scheme of things? I didn't want to be a pro, you know, I'm like, I come back to it if I want, whereas I can keep myself fit and ticking along with, you know, just going to the gym three, four, five, six days per week, but it's on my schedule. I don't have to rely on other people. I can just you know, cycle up to the gym or, you know, get a lift up to the gym or whatever, you know? So that kind of got me in that leaving cert cycle then to be like, all right, it's, it's all on me. I'll do it myself around all the other stuff that I have going on, which is obviously one of the huge benefits of going to the gym. You can fit it into your, your, your schedule. Like, for example, you, you could have three days per week available to you. you. You can design a program that does three days per week. You know, mm. you have six days per week. Yeah, I'll do six days per week. You know, you can you can manipulate the, the variables so that you can design a program that's appropriate or at least is somewhat appropriate for the time that you have available to you. You know, so that was obviously a huge benefit for that. So that's how I kind of transitioned more into the, the gym based stuff. But all the time I was learning, but also all the time there was no thought in my mind that I was going to do this as a career, you know? Right, so even yeah. though, you know, even though it was kind of a, a passion of mine, I was always thinking, it's like, oh, well, sports, they're just kind of, unless you're going to be a pro athlete or something, they're just always a hobby, you know? Like, it's just, that's just something you do as a human, you know, you have to keep yourself healthy and fit, you know, you want to look a certain way or whatever. So you just have to kind of tick the box with your, your health and fitness stuff throughout the week, whenever it is, you know? Same with the diet. It's like, you don't have to, you know, be absolutely shredded and you know be in a calorie deficit all the time or whatever but you know you need to be eating a healthy diet so i'm like oh, as long as i keep taking the boxes this will help with you know my, my leave insert stuff the all that stuff the retention of information but actually learning information and all that kind of stuff and so it started out as a hobby but then as i got into you know, did the leave insert went to college didn't really like it the first time again the mechanical engineering mm. uh, sw- swapped into physics at the whole time i was still going to the gym because i was like well i actually really enjoy it i was getting good results i was at the stage where other people would come to me for advice they'd be like oh you're very knowledgeable about these different things you know and like looking back i'm like that's probably terrible advice that i was giving out but like no one else had that no one else was giving out that information like we're thinking like i finished secondary school in like 2010 you know so 10 years ago which you know thinking back on it now you're kind of like, jesus 10 years where did they go <laughs> but um 
that looking back on it, like there was no, no, there, there, there was nowhere that was giving out good information. Like all the resources that we have available, like even podcasts just weren't a thing, you know, mm. and YouTube videos, like, I don't think I, I even knew what YouTube was until like 2012, 2013, you know? And um, so like all this stuff that it just wasn't being put out there. I think there was like one, you might, this might be far beyond your, your years, but there was like one health and fitness person, like his name was Scooby, um, who put out information, you know, and that was it, you know, like there was no one else. Like you might have like one or two people putting out information, but he's like the OG, like he was the only one doing it, you know, um, and like the stuff wasn't even that great. But again, if you're the only one in the market, like yeah, you're yeah. Get thousands of people, you know, and um, so like getting information, getting access to information, it wasn't that easy when I was growing up, you know? So again, we get to that situation where other people are asking me, what should they do? Because I'm getting good results. I'm able to help other people and I'm enjoying it. You know, I'm writing programs for people. I even remember when I went in the, the, the year between like transition year and fifth year, like that summer, like I remember, uh, me and my friend just training at the local gym and me writing the programs for two of us because he was like, Oh, well, I, he had never been to the gym before. So he was like, Oh, well you go to the gym. Like you obviously know what you're doing. So, you know, let's just do up, you, you do up the programs. You be in charge of that. Now there's far too much volume for them that it probably wasn't appropriate for us and whatever else. But at least I was kind of like, Oh yeah, like I'll, I'll do it up because I have a bit more knowledge. So all of these little things like at the time you kind of just, yeah, brushed them aside you're like oh well, that's that's irrelevant to my overall life you know that's that's not going to influence it but looking back you're like these are actually very formative things that occurred because it put you on the the path that you are currently on and again you I, that's why i always try to stay in the moment as they say because you never know when those things are you know happening you never know when it's like this is the actual thing that changed the direction of your life and um, because i just from looking at my own life i know that all these other things are seemingly you know meaningless but when i'm looking back they actually do have a lot of meaning in terms of how my actual life turned out you know but anyway then just to close the gap between what happened then when i finished you know my degree and uh like finished the physics and went into just working full-time and that's effectively all I did. I just worked. Uh, I was like, oh, like I want to be a personal trainer for a while, see what that's like. Well, first of all, I was like, I have to just be a gym instructor because you know it's a little bit easier to be a gym instructor than a personal trainer. I should also say that I did an online certificate that you have to do an in-person uh, assessment for, you know, um, which is a now defunct company that I did it with. But again, as we were just touching on, you know, off air, um, like personal training, like effectively at this stage it is kind of that you know you just have to get the cert so that you can get insured you know um which has its merits and obviously it worked out favorably for me but i actually don't think that that's necessarily a, a great thing for the overall industry but that's a discussion we'll probably have later on but anyway um got that uh, did a few other things that were available again like at this stage there there wasn't good information out there like there there was but like people have had blogs like say lyle mcdonald for example you might have heard his name before and um, body body recomposition.com and um, well his website like it's been going since the 1990s so he's literally written about everything you know um but like stuff like that so if you knew where to find information you could get information or at least you know find out how to find that information which is a valuable skill in and of itself and um, 
But yeah, so at that stage, like even the certs and stuff that I was doing, like they weren't great, especially looking back at them with the knowledge that I have now. I'm like, that's like, I can't believe people actually used to charge for that. Like, yeah, like they actually used to charge money for that and good money, like, you know, like thousand, two thousand euro for, for that. And it's like the service you were getting for it was just not, not up to scratch. Mm. And so, but anyway, look, it is what it is. You, you have to take the boxes to, you know, play the game. Um, but yesterday I started working and then I was like at a stage in like 2015 maybe where I was like online training people were starting to do that a bit more and I was kind of like oh I think I'll get into this because it's something that I wanted to do I wanted to kind of you know put out more information I was excuse me reading lots of stuff I was enjoying it and I was like I actually just want to kind of put out my thoughts on different things and you know put stuff together that I'm like oh actually I think this is how we should approach this topic or this is how you should think about this nutritional topic or this training topic or, or whatever else, you know? Um, so started that was successful, you know, from the start, uh, I should say successful, like obviously that's a, a relative term, but relatively successful from the start um, and was getting good client results, getting enough clients for me to support myself and stuff. Um, but I was also in the back of my mind, I was kind of thinking like, I, like I'd actually like to, understand the underlying stuff a lot more you know like i had a very we'll say superficial understanding of a lot of different things right like i knew the the end outcome that we had to influence or i knew the protocols that we had to use and but i was always kind of like oh there has to be something that's underlying it's like why why does this work right and and i I was reading a lot of like biochemistry stuff online watching videos on that because like fun, effectively like we are all just biochemistry you know that's what life is and so i was reading all of that stuff and i was like oh, i actually wouldn't mind getting a degree in this it kind of does help my the business i want to kind of create because it was just coaching at that stage because like, that's that's all i had ever seen people do you know it was either that or you know we'll say an education company that did like certificates which as i said were fairly shit and or again you were individuals who were putting out information and maybe they had some sort of you know, supplement to sell or whatever it was, you know, a book to sell or whatever, you know? And yeah. um, so for me, I was kind of like, uh, like, I, I just like coaching people. I, I like putting information together, but I just kind of want to put that information together as a means to, you know, get more clients. Cause that, that's what I saw as being a successful business model going forward. Cause another one of the things that I really enjoy is business. Like my dad was, we'll call him an entrepreneur. So I'd always been like nurtured in that kind of environment where he was always, you know, oh, I'll do this other thing or I'll do this thing. He's like, this is how you look at your taxes and this is how you do this. And like, I have a uh, a big, like my neighbor two doors down, like he's a, a big shot investor and whatever else. So I was always interested in that as well. So like, I like a lot of investing stuff. And I was like, I was into like the business side of things as well. So looking at it, I was like, well, how do I make this a, a profitable business? Because like whatever about doing something that you enjoy and maybe is your passion and mm. whatever else. But if you're going to make that into your career, like it has to be profitable because like you could love, I don't know, painting pictures with your toes and you're like, that's my passion. But if no one's going to buy your pictures, it's like, just keep it as your passion that you do on the side. And you know, you're nine to five, yeah. that's the money so that you can get the supplies so you can paint pictures with your toes, you know? And, um, but I was kind of like, I want to make this into my job. It's like, it, it, there is money in this to be made. So I was thinking of how I would do that. And for me, I was like, All right, we do the coaching stuff. And then that kind of, you know, you're on Facebook, different groups, you know, whatever. And I started talking to a guy who I didn't know, who some of my friends knew, and that was Gary. Um, and 
then we got to the stage where we were kind of always talking about different topics and, you know, communicating, got his WhatsApp, got his, like his phone number, et cetera. And we were talking about different topics and one of our other friends as well, Larry Doyle, uh, the three of us were kind of like, you know what, like we're all preaching similar kind of messages. We have kind of at the time anyway, similar goals for things. So we were like, why don't we just like link up and rather than like, like shooting into different areas, like why don't we just, all shoot at the same area, you know, and join forces. So that's what we did. Started triage method. Uh, subsequently to that, Larry has left and he set up his own successful business as well, uh, which, you know, it aligns more with what he wants to do. Whereas we were kind of moving more into the education side of things, which he still does some stuff like that. But we're talking more of the, the kind of scientific stuff because that's what myself and that's what Gary are, uh, enjoy. Um, and Larry likes a bit more of the applied stuff. That's obviously not to say that we don't do the applied stuff as well. So that's kind of my origin story. So I don't know if you want to jump in on multiple t- points there, because I have this habit where I'll just keep talking absolute waffle for days. Wow, what an introduction. Um, I'm not even sure where to go from there, but it seems like, you know, it all started when you were like 12 years of age and um, just going through those books. And I think like it's kind of uncommon for a 12-year-old to be interested in, you know, reading and researching and like you know looking into this just desire to learn and i think that's where everything sparked off for you so like what else were you interested by in terms like besides nutrition besides health and um, like were you curious about anything else like did you want to have did you want to be an astronaut or whatever like when you're a kid you know when, when kids have goals to become like a certain thing um yeah like what else were you kind of interested by because you always have this- a desire to learn so that seems you know hmm. That's where everything started for you. Yeah, true. Uh, this this is actually the most wild thing you'll hear as a child <laughs> want to be. But I actually wanted to be a politician when oh. I was a child. <laughs> <laughs> so what, take for, for that for whatever you will. But uh, the, I think the reason I wanted to do that, because on both sides of my family, they're like a military family on, on both sides. Uh, both of them served in the army, one in the British army, one in the Irish army. Um, so, and I think... I'd always read about different history topics and different, you know, uh, events. Like I, I have a real passion for history. Like that's, that's my hobby that I do on the, the side, like history. And I'd say politics as well. Those are the kind of two things that I really enjoy. Like I have mm-hmm. a lot of side hobbies, you know, like any individual, like yeah. I'm not just one dimensional, but um, then if you're like, what are the books that you listen to or read or whatever, like, unless it's directly related to our, my business and um, it's always like, uh, philosophical books or history books or political books or you know any that kind of stuff and so uh, that's what I was interested in as a child which is really odd when you say it when you're like oh yeah I was a child and I really liked history and politics and you know different things like I just liked questioning things I think that's what I just like doing and that was mm. obviously if you're talking like political stuff or um, philosophical stuff like that's where you know, it gets the nitty gritty stuff where people have like, oh, don't talk about this. Like, for example, everyone always says like, don't talk about money or politics. And I think that's actually the most terrible advice you could give someone because those are the two topics that no one understands as a result of that advice. Like if you talk about politics, like people will say, you know, something absolutely ludicrous with regards to the actual political system in, in terms of not even like an actual policy or an actual, um, I don't know, idea within you know the political sphere, but it'll be with regards to how you actually like law comes about or how you know you vote and stuff like that. You're just like you you don't actually even know the political system. 
like how could I even trust your opinion on a certain topic within that system? You know, like that's like, you know, talking about, oh, I can drive a car, but you've no idea how roads work. You know, it's like, mm. it doesn't matter if you can drive a car or you have all these ideas about a car, if you don't know what a road is, you know? And so like, that's what I was kind of interested in as a child. I think it was mainly because of the the military stuff in my family. I was kind of like, oh, this is cool. Like, you know, I'm learning about like World War II and my granddad was there and, you know, I read about this event and he'd be like, oh yeah, that's where I got blown up or that's where I got shot and you know, stuff like that. We just kind of like, this obviously gives a, a personal touch to it. And on top of that, I was really interested in like documentaries and just about nature and stuff. But I think everyone is just kind of cool. We were looking at yeah. these and whatever else. And so I was always interested. I just, I, I was just interested in the world, you know, and I think that's what kind of drove me towards physics initially, because that kind of was that bridging gap where it was kind of like, oh, uh, what, um, what's like, there has to be something underlying all these things. And if it's like physics underlines everything, then surely if I just learn the physics, I'll understand these other things, which is obviously a really naive uh, idea to have, but I had it. <clears throat> but uh yeah, so I, I don't know. Like I, I just like learning. I still do to this day. So it's a bit strange, yeah. But I don't know. It's just what I like to do, and that, and obviously watch Dragon Ball Z as a child. But that's the second time I've said that. And but you know, that's just kind of what I enjoy doing. As I said, there was loads of books around my house. My parents were always like, "Oh, like what do you want to do?" You know, I'd be like, "Oh, can we watch this documentary?" Or you know, can I read this book? Or you know, tell me about a topic. Or they debate stuff because like they'd obviously have differences in opinion uh, about different things. Like my, my dad, as I said, he's like kind of more entrepreneurial. I got a few different businesses on the go, worked for a few different places and stuff. Like he had a fascinating history as well. Like he grew up in a 1950s tenement in Dublin. So like, obviously if you go from basically slums, like ghettos and like he actually grew up on Clarence street, which got bombed in the war as well. And, um, but like if you go, go from that and you go into, you know, making good money, running your own businesses, you know, doing like stuff like that. Like he obviously had different approaches to things and, but not necessarily always the way you would think if you were to just think it, like, he'd be like, oh, well, maybe he's just like a, a hyper capitalist. He's like, it's all do it yourself. And, you know, like, oh, I got out of the, the ghetto myself and it was all off my back, but he wouldn't even be like that. Like you'd have different opinions on different things that you wouldn't necessarily think that he would have based on his history so that always kind of intrigued me you know just having different debates about different things about like oh is this political system good like how would you benefit under this or how would you not benefit under this and like why do we need to have this like the dole for example like is it a good thing or is it a bad thing you know and like stuff like that we'd just be talking about it in yeah. my house to, to this day you know and and i think all of that just was because I was curious, you know, I was just kind of like, I just want to know how the world works. I think it's, it's cool. Like we live in this spinning rock in the middle of fucking yeah. nowhere. In space. You're just like, like what kind of anomaly uh, world do we live in? But like, how does the actual universe create this, you know? And it's, that always just kind of like blew my mind. So as I said, that's kind of led to like the, the physics stuff. And I was like, Oh, maybe that explains the, the philosophical stuff or, you know, maybe it explains this other stuff, you know? So basically what I'm just saying is I was just always curious and I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing because curiosity did kill the cat. So maybe I'm running out of my line lives, but we're here anyway. No, I think, I think curiosity is a great thing. And just the, like the desire to learn, because like if you, if you continue learning for the rest of your life, I mean like, wow, you're gonna, 
you're gonna achieve a lot of things i say um just like continue continue to learn about different things that you know spark your curiosity and the reason why i wanted to ask you about your childhood is because i I think this like there's a i have this belief that like we're all born for a reason like we're all born on this planet to do to do certain things and as children we naturally gravitate towards the things we're naturally um well born to do i guess and like you know for you you're interested in you know learning you're interested in physics you're interested in how the world works in health and fitness and so on and it kind of led you up to this point but now looping back to triage um so what do you like what does your typical day actually look like in triage like what do you do on a typical basis well normally as we were discussing off air like well, first of all, we both just graduated, so that's phenomenal. Um, <laughs> but during during when I was in college and stuff, like the day would basically be like, okay, what's my college schedule? I want to do some training on top of that. I also do Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu on top of that. And <clears throat> so I was like, oh, okay, so I have to organize my day around those different things. And then, you know, triage work was then on top of that. And we would have, say, the weekend, I would do more triage work because obviously I wouldn't have college work, you know. But obviously, I'm in final year, had a dissertation to do, and... Um, but that wasn't actually that hard because it was basically you know, what we do for writing articles anyway. Mm. So like it's right. a little bit of a step up because it has to be written in a certain format and it has to be you know referenced a little bit differently than we do our articles because obviously we're not talking to like academia. And so there's a, a bit of a difference. But you know I was kind of used to that. So the time I was allotting to writing articles, I just allotted to doing my dissertation and knocked that out uh, fairly quickly you know and then it was just editing on top of that but the day would basically be like right what do i have going on okay organize my my triage stuff around that however obviously since the lockdown first happened which you know we were on our easter break when that happened and which you know no one actually got to say goodbye to all their friends and in whatever in your final year yeah it would (laughs) have been nice if it was like you know at least we kind of knew it was coming but you know it is what it is. But anyway, since then, like I basically just sit in my room and uh, during the, the, the lockdown, it was quite hard because like I, I like talking. So like you don't have, like obviously I have all my brothers and whatever else. I can still live at home because it just made sense to live at home when you know I was in college and stuff. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> like I wasn't going to be spending all that money on top of, well, I just have a perfectly good house here. But anyway, um, but uh, yeah, so... Uh, what was I saying? Yeah, so I obviously have all my brothers here, talk to them, whatever. But like, I like talking, I like to communicate with different people, you know, see how their life's going on, you know, have chats and whatever. So the lockdown was kind of hard for me because even though my job is literally just sit at a desk, do your emails, do your writing, do your study, and uh, make some videos, do whatever else, right? And like, I actually need to be out and about as well on top of that. So that brings us kind of to today, like what my day like looks like now that we're all graduated the world is semi opened up um so right now it's pretty much i wake up in the morning i like to get up early but like personally if i was to organize my day i would get up earlier than i currently do I currently i get up at half six and um, but the only reason i do that is because i have Brazilian jiu-jitsu at night and it takes me a good hour and a half to wind down from that class so that means i have to go to sleep at like 11 o'clock and so I need about seven hours of sleep. So for me, I have to get up that late. If it was perfectly up to me, I'd probably get up about five and go to bed earlier and um, probably around 10 or whatever. Um, <clears throat> but it is what it is. Um, so yeah, we're in a situation where I get up at like whatever, half six. I literally sit on my desk all day, 
do some read. I do always try to organize an, an hour of reading. Sometimes I do that straight away when I get up. Sometimes I'm like, no, I have these other topics or different just issues or whatever. In, yeah. And I have to just get done. I just bang them away. And then I'll do the, the reading after like the gym or something mm-hmm. when I'm like, you know, I want to just relax or whatever it is, you know? And like, just before we got on this podcast, I had just been to the gym and, you know, I was doing some reading just before we got on this, you know? Um, but, uh, yeah, then I'll go to the gym at some stage and then I'll just come back, do more videos, do more articles or research for articles or reply to emails. And um, because obviously our business model is based on effectively two services that we sell. Like we've we've done a few different services throughout the years, but now the ones that we really just focus on are one-to-one coaching. And uh, we also launched a coach's corner relatively recently, um, which again, we, we coach co- uh, coaches within that. So most of my day is either spent, you know, writing stuff, for free on the website that, you know, it's building up our, you know, the, the effectively the Wikipedia of health and fitness that we want to build um, or it's creating content or, you know, designing out content that will be created in the future for, for the coaches corner so that, you know, we can help more coaches and stuff. And then obviously on top of that, doing emails, but I've gotten really good at prioritizing and executing effectively my, my emails and have them down to being like, it's really only two or three days, like two days really. And then a third day for any like follow-up stuff that needs to be done. And that's usually kind of the Sunday, Monday timeframe that I, I, I do those. Um, Cause obviously it's nice, like end of the week for everyone. They want to check in then get their plan or whatever for next week. And um, so that's what my day looks like, which again, like it's, it's a, before COVID you would have said, that's a very different day. But now the fact that everyone is like working from home or I say everyone, but a lot of people are working yeah. from home, you know, that's the average now. That's the, the normal people are like, yeah, okay. I work from home. I have to set up my day in a way that, you know, I can get my exercise in or, you know, I can do all the different bits that I have to do. Um, so yeah, I, have, I used to be like, Oh yeah, I have a, a different job or a different, you know, you know, daily structure than everyone else. Cause everyone's like, Oh, I have to do the nine to five or whatever. But my daily structure is pretty much the same as everyone else now. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, you're involved with um, health and fitness. So I'd love to ask you about your current routines in terms of health and fitness. Like, what do you do on a typical basis to ensure you flourish when you're in your 60s, your 70s, your 80s? Like, what are the habits? What are your health and fitness habits that you do on a consistent basis to ensure that you're a healthy human being? Well, there's effectively three different things that you can be like searching for with health and fitness, right? Because obviously health and fitness, it means different things to different people. That's like health, health, body composition and performance. Those are the three things that you could aim towards. Now, that's not to say that you only aim for one of them or, you know, you aim for all of them. Like sometimes you might prioritize one over the other. For example, like a bodybuilder might be prioritizing uh, body composition over their health and over their performance yeah. in the, the run-up to a show, you know? Um, or even like a, an athlete that you more, might be more familiar with, like a, an Olympic athlete, like they might be uh, prioritizing performance rather than long-term health, you know? Um, because they're like, well, that's that's effectively their job. They're getting paid millions or whatever to be good at this sport. They don't really care about, you know, longevity or health, you know? So you have to always think of like, who are we actually talking to when we talk about this stuff? So for me, like I'm obviously in this health and fitness sphere because first of all, I like it. I enjoy training. I do all that kind of stuff, but also it goes back to 
the initial like prompting for this. Like I want to look a certain way. I want to feel a certain way, but also on top of that, and especially as I've gotten older and wiser, I'd say, um, like I want to be healthy into my, my later years, you know? So how do you actually achieve that? And it's the same for whatever one of those three goals you're, you're going for. You have to look after another three things. And that is your, your training, whatever that means for you, your nutrition, and then your lifestyle. Right. So those are the, the three umbrella terms. And in, in terms of the top, you've got your, your health, body composition, and performance. And then below that, you're like, okay, well, each of those has three subheadings. And that is like what I just said, you know, your, your nutrition, your training, and then your lifestyle. Right. So I always try to look at, okay, what am I doing training wise for potentially each of those things? Like how is my training supporting each of those things, you know, and which is my priority right now? Because, you know, you might do something, you might be like, all right, I actually have an eight weeks to uh, a fairly consistent, you know, uh, trainability. Like I can just go for the next eight weeks. I can really hammer training. So I'm actually going to push performance a little bit now. And, you know, I'm not really, really care about body composition, for example, you know, mm-hmm. like, so at different times throughout the year, you might be prioritizing different things, but without going into a huge story about all of that, looking at those subdivisions of three categories, like every single day, I try to look at like, what am I doing to nurture those three categories, right? So uh, what am I doing training wise, you know? And I always break this down into two things. And the the second thing does actually kind of fall under lifestyle a little bit, which we'll, we'll go into next, I suppose. But like the training thing, I'd be like, okay, what am I doing training wise today to be better in the next five, 10, 15 years, right? So that could be resistance training like i try to currently go to the gym four times per week and then i try to get four brazilian jiu-jitsu sessions on top of that i generally do them on the same day so i still have three like full days off then you know so i'm like all right just work hard for four days and then i have three rest days but one of those rest days will be in between those work days like wednesday will be off you know and then the weekend will be off um, but yeah, so that's, that's what I always think. I'm like, okay, well, the resistance training and the Brazilian jiu-jitsu training, that's kind of the harder stuff. I try to tick all those boxes. Now, obviously, again, if you're listening to this and you're like, oh, I don't do Brazilian jiu-jitsu or I don't do a sport, like you don't have to, you know, it could be the gym. It could be go for some, a run, go a jog, swim, just whatever. Yeah. yeah, literally just movement. I try to get like some harder session something that i'm going to go like okay after that i'm either it might not necessarily be like a sweat session or whatever but at the end of it i'm like okay that's that's building for the future yeah. you know that's yeah. me investing you know and, and sometimes it's boring sometimes you're like i really couldn't care less about adding you know 2.5 kilos to this lift here today you know like it's it's kind of boring you know and sometimes you might be like oh, i can't wait to uh, add 2.5 kilos to this lift you know and um, but i always try to be like okay so something is ticking along with the, the resistance training and the sports training at all, all stages, right? And then on top of that, which again kind of falls under the lifestyle stuff, is I try to get 10,000 steps per day, right? Which is obviously a little bit harder because, you know, I'm sitting at home, as I've said, like this is, this is my job now. I literally sit at a desk all day. You know, it's not even like you have a desk to go to somewhere which you can accumulate some steps going to that, mm. you know, you know, walking up the stairs and, you know, whatever else, like I'm literally, my bed is right here, right beside, me, you know, <laughs> like I can roll out of bed, take three steps and I'm in my office, you know? And um, so it can be hard. So with that in mind, I always walk to the gym, even if it's raining or whatever. I'm like, I'll just walk. Cause it's roughly 4,000 steps there and 4,000 steps back. So I'm like, that gets like, yeah, it actually takes up a bigger chunk of my day, but that gets all my activity done then during the day. But even on my off days, I'm like, okay, I still try to get, 10,000 steps per day because generally it is a good practice for health. 
And secondary to that, it allows me to eat the amount of calories that I enjoy eating mm. rather than having to diet on uh, like an excessively low amount of calories. Like we always kind of preach a, a calorie appropriate diet, you know, um, because for different people, you're going to be on different calorie levels and have different goals. And, you know, the appropriateness of that calorie level then, you know, has to be appropriate. Um, but, you know, for me, I'm like, I actually feel good. I feel like I'm enjoying my food if I'm eating a certain amount of food. So to facilitate that, I'm like, I have to do a certain amount of activity throughout the week, you know? Um, so part of that is getting my steps in. And also it's just a generally good health practice for life. You know, and I'm saying 10,000, that's arbitrary. Like for you, it could be 6,000. Yeah, like, yeah. right, I just need to get a set amount per day for you. It could be 15,000, you know, and um, it depends on all the other stuff, but I'm like, I need to at least, get the blood flow going just from walking low level activity. You know, I want to be able to be 90 years old and walk wherever I want to go. Like you see people that are just not able to do that. And I always think I'm like, that must be so disempowering to not actually have the ability to be like, I actually want to walk to the toilet. You know, you're like, I I can't even do that. So I'm like, I want to get good at walking because I want to be able to do that forever. You know? Mm. So I don't want to get to the stage where, you know, I'm 40, and I look at my fitness tracking watch and for the last year, the most steps I've gotten a day was a thousand, you know, like that's probably not going to be beneficial for you longer term. So getting that up, even if it is, you know, like my dad has a, an artificial hip and an artificial uh, ankle. So like he can't go for huge long walks or whatever. So I'm like, for him, I'm like, got him a fitness tracking watch. And it's like, right, you should just hit 5,000 steps per day. So when he's pottering out in the, the garden, doing his gardening and, you know, going around, walking in the shops or doing whatever, he's accumulating the steps. And he's like, all right, I didn't get my 5,000 today. So tomorrow I'm going to do a little bit more, you know? So stuff like that. I'm like, it's just easy, simple practices that you can engage in to be healthful long-term. Now that does kind of fall under the training category and the lifestyle category, because Obviously, you have to change your lifestyle a little bit if you are going to get 10,000 steps per day. Like, it's not like, oh, I just go to the gym for an hour. Like, anyone can go to the gym for an hour, you know? Being like, oh, yeah, you actually have to be conscious of your, your steps and your activity throughout the day. You know, it's a little bit harder to do. You have to change your lifestyle. And then that lifestyle category itself, <clears throat> like, that's huge. Like, that's, you know, you know, you could put into that, like all your relationships with other individuals, you know, the, the socializing stuff, which obviously hasn't been great during, during COVID. Um, you know, like all of that kind of sleep, stuff, all the, yeah. the mental health stuff around it, sleep, yeah, like stress management, Nature, all yeah. of that kind of stuff. Exactly. All of that stuff falls into that category. So I try to, you know, respect the things that I like. Like I really like nature. I'm looking out at a, a mountain, like the Wicklow mountains right now. And um, like, I always try to go up there like once a week, you know, when it's raining in the winter time, you know, once every two weeks, you know, go for a walk up there. Like it's a five minute drive for me. Like, why wouldn't I, you know, but even if I can't do that, when I'm going out for my walk, I'll, you know, rather than just walking on these streets, which, you know, I'm walking by cars and whatever else. And um, I'm like, all right, there's a park over here. I'll walk to the park, walk, walk around the park, you know, get out in nature, you know, clear my, my head and stuff like that. So like the lifestyle stuff is, you know, huge and all encompassing, but there's so many easy wins within that, you know, just even with your going for a walk, you can make that a little bit more enjoyable and, you know, uh, cumulative in terms of the lifestyle stuff, but, you know, getting out in nature, you know, going out with your friend for a walk, you know, talking to them, engaging with them, you know, even if it's like, oh, I'm going to meet someone for coffee, like walk to go get that coffee and then walk home. You know, it's like, you can, you can always be hel- helping yourself 
uh, in multiple avenues, you know? And again, as I, as I was saying at the start of this, I was like, this is, this is what you're trying to do with different categories. It's like, okay, well, this is going to contribute to my health. This is going to contribute to my performance. It's going to contribute to my body composition, you know? And you might not be thinking that, being like, oh, I'm going to walk out for a coffee with my friend. But it's like, no, that actually does. If you, like, health and fitness stuff is meant to, you know, complement your life. It's not meant to become your life. So yeah, yeah. Like, how, can you, how can you set up practices that are complementary to what you want to achieve, whether it's a health and fitness goal, but also, like, you know, an actual life goal you know like if you're if you're just thinking like oh i want to be you know the best i can be at accounting it's like how can you make that more effective for all the other stuff that you have going on that you want to achieve like around your health and fitness goals it's like okay cool i want to be the best that i can at accounting so you know i want to be able to do this for a longer time so i have to be healthy so i'm going to have to eat healthily and i'm going to have to you know exercise i'm going to always try to you know use the stairs rather than the lift and you know stuff like that and which as i just mentioned it there like the final thing then which you know people like to overemphasize it um which is good but also they they major in the minors and this is the the nutrition aspect of it you know like a, a variety of diets work you know there is no one singular diet you know mm. so i just try to eat a diet that works for me that allows me to feel full feel satiated you know slowly increase my performance over time that contributes to my health and also allows me to, you know, socialize so that I'm not like, Oh, I can't eat bread. So I can't go to these events with, you know, friends and family. I can't go to a barbecue because there's, there's gluten in the sausages or whatever. You know, I don't have a, a a celiac or anything. So like, I'm not going to artificially just cut that out of my life because I'm like, Oh, I might contribute to my health. It might give me this, you know, 2% increase. Now, obviously if you are a celiac or, you know, lactose intolerant or whatever it is, you know, you're going to need to, put that stuff out but um if you're not it's like just eat a, a well-balanced diet and that's obviously different for everyone and this is why we write articles on it because there's a lot to consider within that and um, but if you're to kind of like try to distill it down it's like eat enough protein for your goals i should start actually at the start eat a calorie appropriate diet and then eat enough protein for your goals eat you know as much fruit and veg as you feel comfortable eating, like some people don't like eating more, you know, didn't grow up eating fruit and veg, um, which obviously you can change over time, but you know, start where you're starting. Um, and obviously, obviously some people are like, di- di- their digestive system doesn't handle it as well. So again, you start where you're starting. Um, and then from on top of that, it's like eat carbs and fats to fill up the rest of that calorie appropriate diet, you know, like, fairly simplistic when you put it out like that but obviously within there there's a huge amount of nuance like you might go okay well how how much is enough protein like how do i know what's enough you know and you might be like well i could get by on you know this amount or i could eat more and i i don't feel as good or you know there's a huge amount of nuance within that which you know that's that's where you really start having to experiment yourself and yeah, you can stay within the confines of, okay, this is good general nutrition practices. And, um, but that doesn't necessarily mean that you have to be rigid to those, you know, like I might think like, Oh, two grams per kilo of body weight. That's the perfect amount of protein for you. But you're like, I really just don't enjoy eating that much. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And you might be like, 1.5 
uh, is that good? And I'm like, yeah, that, that's that's still within the range. And you're like, okay, that actually suits me a lot better. I can eat the foods that I like to enjoy or whatever it is. Maybe you're like, actually, you know, one, you know, and one is probably a lower end of what you would recommend and like, like the, the lower, lower end. Um, but you'd be like, yeah, you probably, we need to, you know, keep on top of, you know, some different metrics just to make sure that we're, we're, we're staying in a healthy position and your performance is increasing and your know, energy is where it needs to be, et cetera. But you're like, yeah, we can stay within that. So again, there's, and also on the other end, you can be like, all right, well, three grams might work for your, for your situation, you know? And um, so there, there is a, a lot of variance within that. So you, you do need to experiment. And this is why coaching is so beneficial, not to like sell my services, but like coaching is so beneficial because you can get to a situation where, okay, I'm going to put my trust in an individual that, you know, they should know, they should have the knowledge to be able to look at the different variables and manipulate the diet, manipulate the training based on what you need and get you to a position where you can be in good health, good performance, good body composition, and you have the tools to manipulate the things going forward yourself, you know, because obviously like I, at 12 years old, I didn't have that information and that would have been great information or having someone to go, look, let's experiment for you. Boom, we're done. You know, now obviously it led me to this career. So, you know, maybe that wouldn't have been a good thing, but if I was just someone that's like, I don't know, an accountant or whatever. And I'm just like, I just want to get into better shape, having someone to hold your hand and help you along the path and go like, this is the pitfall of this, or this is the, the benefit of this. Like that can be extremely beneficial. And like, we always try to keep coaching as a, a two-way street and not have it as like a dictatorial relationship where I'm telling you, this is what you have to do. Like, I don't think that works long-term. Like, yeah, it might work in the shorter term, but that's not really helping you long-term. Whereas if we have a collaborative, you know, decision-making process and we go, okay, these are the things that we need to, these are the non-negotiables. Like we need to have at least this much. And I don't mind if you want to have a little bit more or, you know, you find this is too much or too little, we can start playing around within this range and we can move the diet into a better place. You know, like I was even just having a discussion about protein. That's why it was kind of on my mind uh, with one of my clients uh, earlier on today. And he was like, oh, well, um, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to hit the, the numbers you've given me, but I'm always finding I'm like, get down at this level. It's a little bit lower than what you want uh, me to hit, you know? And then we had the discussion where it was like, okay, well that, that lower level, that's perfectly fine. We're still within the range of, you know, what's acceptable for the goals that we're trying to achieve. If that means that we can stick to the diet better, happy days. Like I'm still, that's, that's a win for me. Like I'm always viewing the diet as uh, an ever evolving process, you know? So I'm always hesitant and it's hard to give a nuanced perspective of it. So I'm always hesitant to just be like, this is how you set up your nutrition. And like even you asking the question and be like, what's your nutrition like, uh, you know, or what are you doing for your health um, for the longer term? Like, I don't know, in, in terms of nutrition, how do I communicate what I'm doing in a way that lets people know what they should do? Like, I don't think there is a way, you know, that's why we write articles. Like if there was a way, I'd, I'd be writing that rather than writing articles. Right. Yeah, no, I, I think that's interesting. And, you know, I used to I used to have belief, 
to have this belief that well not belief like I think when I was in like two years ago maybe three years ago I used to be obsessed with health you know trying to go to the gym getting big muscles whatever but then I realized that is completely pointless like the whole point of health the whole point of fitness is for you to have mental acuity for you to make good decisions for you to perform optimally and I think when we're young like it's easy for us to be like we're already pretty much healthy but like I think we need to like put in the work so we're healthy in our 60s and our 70s and our 80s I think that's the whole point of health you know unless you're an athlete unless you're you know a professional bodybuilder unless that's that's your career that's what you want to do i think it makes sense for us to focus on health just to feel good just to make good decisions because like you said like it shouldn't be this you know main focus of our life like we should do it in order to be in order to make good decisions and so on but like when it comes to actual you know kind of rules and um, general food rules like do you do you have any like I know he said there's no such thing because like it's all different for each individual but like surely like surely there is some sort of rules like for me it would be probably to eat mostly plants not too much don't don't overeat too much and try include you know varied colors like you know have purple have greens have red have all these different colors have a big ginormous salad maybe and eat a lot of raw veg and raw raw foods in general instead of cooked because when you cook it there's a lot of like nutrients that um there's a lot of nutrient loss basically except for some foods so some foods are good when you cook it some some foods not so much um like what other rules are there like in your opinion like do you have any like yeah specific like rules even then, it's like, there's, there's so so much nuance there's so much to it. yeah it's, it's too hard to give yeah. like a, a very like oh, this is exactly what you should do because that's how we get to a situation like i know everyone wants that like mm. i want that right? mm. but there is there, it's not you're not able to do it and the only way i could do that is to become the thing that i don't want to become which is you know someone selling an ideology like it yeah. would be so easy for me to be like look it's just become a vegan Hmm. Once, just stay within the vegan framework just don't eat animals at all ever and you're good you're going to be in good health but like that doesn't that's not like the full story of you know everything like you see like the the rise of this like carnivore diet you know where people are like i actually have better health when i eat like this now again there might be reasons for that and it might be a shorter term thing and same with veganism it might be like again a shorter term thing um but it's like this like you can't have this very narrow framework like that's like going to your i've mentioned accountants like three times now but <laughs> going to your accountant and being like oh tell me the exact way i have to do my taxes you know it's like there, like there is no exact way everyone's taxes are different you know how you file your taxes versus how someone else like, i wasn't talking from a business perspective like as an individual in ireland you don't actually have to file your taxes and um, but you know like there's, there's different ways to go about it. You might be on this tax rate for this service you provide and this tax rate for something else. But if I just go, well, on average, the tax rate is 15%. Like that's not helpful because you might be on 9%, but you also might be on 23% of that, you know? So it's like just saying 15% doesn't help. Like that's, it's, it's not going to get you to the position that you need to, to be in. And you going to the revenue commission and being like, oh yeah, like I'm just paying 15% because someone told me it was 15%. Like that's not going to cut it. And it's not, it's the same with your health. Like the, the thing about health and, and fitness stuff is like, it really doesn't give a fuck what you care about. You mm. know, <laughs> like it's like, it's, it, it is what it is. And whether you choose to eat a vegan diet or a carnivore diet, or, you know, become a breatharian where you just look at the sun and you just, you know, try to photosynthesize like thermodynamics doesn't give a fuck. You know, it's like, there's still the basic principles that underlie all this stuff. 
and you're just navigating them in a way that makes sense for you you know but your health doesn't really care like yeah. obviously it cares of like you're providing the right nutrients etc cetera, etc cetera. Um, but like it, it doesn't really care what your your belief is or what you you think uh, you should be doing with nutrition etc yeah that's that's very true but you know on the whole topic of you know you mentioned veganism and now I think like climate change is a big issue as well and I feel like you know we should all be kind of doing our part to like health is I think always number one priority but like actually you know on the topic of um food I also like do you think like we should be eating mostly organic food like even if you are eating you know whatever like I think it's it's, it's makes sense to follow like guidelines that you know sustain the environment as well like for example like buying from your local farmer's market instead of buying from like shops or buying like purely organic free-range eggs instead of just buying these factory eggs that you know mass produce all these eggs and treat animals um in a in a bad way or like eating grass-fed beef instead of just you know beef raised on corn that that's unnatural i think we should all be kind of striving towards eating food that mother nature intended to eat first eat instead of you know just buying some random stuff in the shop and ah you know i'm i'm getting my macros in getting my whatever in i don't i think i don't I, yeah i think we should prioritize those things instead of you know just like macros in general yeah like i'm 100% with you but we also don't want to fall into what's called the naturalistic fallacy in terms of you know oh just because it's natural it's good you yeah know? yeah like that's that must not necessarily the case you know and um, like there's lots of poisons that are natural yeah know? so coronavirus well maybe it's not but coronavirus <laughs> is natural and um, but you know we don't want to fall into that thought process as well but at the same time we do want to also respect nature like we want to have and this is actually something that like i don't think irish farmers get enough support for or acknowledgement of like they actually do have quite uh regenerative practices mm. and it's something it's actually really again going into like politics or whatever it's something that like they don't actually calculate but the actual contribution of grass for your our CO2 uh, output, you know? Because grass, it, it, basically, if you were to be like, what crop does Ireland grow? We grow grass. Right? That's, <laughs> the, that's the thing that we grow. We, we have a climate that's phenomenal at that. But they don't actually calculate that in the, the CO2, you know, uh, yeah. carbon emission. Mm-hmm. You know? um, so that's it's, it's hard to say then how good our practices are because, you know, if you plant a tree, or plant a tree you'll be offset for your carbon emissions for that tree. But if you grow a load of grass, you don't get offset for those carbon emissions, you know? And so it's a little bit harder and a bit of a nuanced conversation, especially with like Irish farming, the the way it is. But even then it's like, you know, Irish farmers do quite a lot in terms of actually looking after animals, especially like, you know, beef and all that kind of stuff. And also the the way they do it, like they have basically uh, multi-paddock adaptive grazing where they move the, the cattle around to different uh, pastures and um, but that's actually really regenerative to for the soil like you'll see in other countries where they're like oh we only have 60 harvests left like that's not the case in ireland because we actually have soil that's accumulating because our, that's how, that's what cows do that's what large ruminants do not just cows and uh, that's what large ruminants do you know so the, the conversation is more nuanced however i'm completely on board with you i think that we should definitely be buying local from your local farmer if possible now it's a little bit harder with like fruit and veg in ireland and um, because you know we don't actually grow that much fruit and veg in, in ireland like the most we'll probably get most of our fruit and veg from like denmark and stuff and um, but like we just don't have the climate to grow a lot of things but it's actually a really 
interesting conversation to put on the, the whole like health and fitness stuff. You know, when you start trying to layer the, the, the information on, for example, like I've had like deep conversations with people that are, you know, very interested in climate change and they're like becoming vegan as a result. But that's actually really hard to do in Ireland because we don't, like you're not able to like, Say you're like, oh, a great uh, source of monounsaturated fats for vegans is, I don't know, olive oil or, you know, uh, avocado. Like we can't grow either of those things in Ireland. You know? Yeah, so you have to import how them. That, yeah. How is that sustainable if you have to import it? You know, and like, yeah, it's not a huge, uh, you know, a carbon emission with a, a ship or whatever. Like it still is contributing to it versus going to your farmer down the road, you know? And same with like polyunsaturated fats. Like we don't do nearly enough, uh, like, fishing in ireland which you would think we would because you know we're an island nation but it is what it is um but you know how do you get your polyunsaturated fats you know um so we have to rely on more saturated fats if we're going to eat food from ireland and be more sustainable within ireland like you have to go for like butters and stuff like again like where are you going to get your olive oil now you could use a winter crop like a rapeseed oil or something you know um but again that's you have to change the whole culture in terms of how Irish farmers then cultivate the land, you know? So it's a really interesting conversation. But as I was saying just before, um, I've had a conversation, I've had multiple conversations with different populations with regards to this, because things that you wouldn't actually think about are actually accumulating to climate change more than other things. Yeah. For example, like you could be like, oh, I'm, I'm never eating meat again because, you know, it's bad for the environment. But then you go out and drink, right? Hmm. But like drink, like alcohol, like that's, People are like, oh, well, if we didn't have all these animals, we wouldn't have to grow all these crops, you know, like the, we, we could feed the world on just crops, you know, we wouldn't have to feed it to animals. And I'm like, yeah, well, that's not where the crops are going. Lots of those crops are going towards alcohol. Now, some of the alcohol is obviously needed, especially like, you know, during this pandemic, like everyone's been washing their hands with alcohol every day, you know. So obviously some of it's needed for sterilization and, you know, different industries and whatever. But if you just, if you were actually a hundred percent being like right i'm never going to eat something that is unnecessary for you know contributing to climate change or whatever and then you wouldn't drink you also wouldn't eat like sweets or confectionaries or yeah. anything like that because it's like this is all stuff that you don't necessarily need to eat to you know survive but even if you start going in down that thought process and you know really trying to dig deep into it because like i'm really kind of not obsessed with but I'm really interested in terms of like the boundaries of thought processes. Like where, like if we were to follow this thought process, where does it logically lead? You know, like where, where is the end of this? Like if we institute this change, what's the next change and the next change and the next change, you know? So you, you logically think about this, like, and it's actually really rather frightening. Like you'll see a lot of these vegans, they have basically become what's called antinatalists where they basically advocate for, you know, people not to have children uh, or to get sterilized or whatever, because they're like, Oh, well, if we have more yeah. children on the earth, you know, uh, you know, we're not going to uh, be able to feed them and all that. And you're like, this is like, that's that in my mind. I'm like, this is, this is dangerous territory where it's starting yeah. into like eugenics and, you know, different things. I'm like, that's not something that like I want to have, I, as I said earlier on, like I have huge families in my family. So like, I want to have a huge family. I'm not going to be like, oh, I became a vegan. So uh, I'm not going to ever have children. Like that's in my mind, I'm like, that's a, a terrible argument to, to make. But also, even just without going that extreme, you get into these other things that are uh, rather extreme, just as a very uh, shorter uh, time course, like the choices to get to that or the, the different changes to get to that thought process aren't that you know, hard to make. For example, 
you could be like, okay, well, I'm going to become a vegan because I want to do the least harm. You know, I want to do the least harm to nature, the environment, whatever, right? But then if you actually start following that least harm principle, like you would start doing stuff like eating as little calories as you possibly could, right? Because least harm means, you know, you're going to eat less, right? But then you start doing stuff being like, okay, well, I'm not actually going to exercise because that's actually going to mean I have to eat more calories. It's going to mean I'm going to have to eat more protein, you know? So it's like, I'm not going to do that. And all of a sudden you, you rationalize unhealthy behaviors because of uh, what you arrived to uh, a conclusion in a rational manner, you know? So I'm always like very interested in terms of like, let's expand this thought process out and let's start thinking about these other offshoots. You know, some of it's obviously hyperbolic. Like, I don't think the average person that goes vegan is going to be like, oh, let's kill all babies or never have babies in the future. But there are individuals that go down that thought process, you know? And it's like, this isn't, this isn't a smart thought process. Uh, giving you a, a really clear example of this is you know people always because obviously we're just talking about veganism or like you know more so that talk, like they're the type of people that are talking more about the environment than most other groups are right and um, like in, in ireland especially like you see them see people pushing for like say a, a veganuary you know it's like oh january you know we'll do veganism you know it's like we'll we'll really push for more plant-based stuff during january but like from a sustainability uh, thought process thing it's like do you like you are so dissociated from the land that you don't realize that these are the lowest crop production months like the winter months are the lowest crop production months so how are you going to sustainably eat more crops like eat more fruit and veg during the winter months you know january and and you know have that be a sustainable approach like it's not you know, and you have to import more. So this is not actually beneficial because you're actually increasing the the CO2 output or the carbon output because you now have to import all these crops because we can't make them during January. Like in Ireland, we just can't, you know? You know, that's not necessarily true if you're somewhere like America um, or even on the continent, like the European continent, like, or China perhaps, like these bigger areas. But I'm just talking from the perspective of, you know, people I engage with here in Ireland or even in Britain and stuff. It's like this, like that's not, you, you can't, you can't grow olive oil in Ireland, you know, like you, you simply can't, you know. So like you always have to have that uh, offshoot or that, that, that trade-off, you know. So if you're going to advocate for these different policies and be like, oh, this is how we have a, a healthful, sustainable diet for the environment, like that's actually a, uh, uh, a real can of worms that you have to open up and really dive deep on it and it's very hard to you know really think these things through because you know you don't know what you don't know you know like you're like oh well that makes sense like go for a more plant-based diet but like if that's not sustainable for the country that you live in well it might be advertised as a sustainable you know dieting method you know somewhere else maybe you read an american blog or information site or whatever and it's like yeah but we don't live in america like, well, I don't anyway, you know, so it's like, that's, that can't be done here, you know, and we just don't have the ability to grow those crops. Now, there are obviously solutions, like if everyone was going to do this, then there are obviously solutions, like you can have like greenhouses and, you know, different like uh, hydroponics and different things like that, but it's not necessarily the, the, the mass scale approach. But then you also start getting these other arguments against your own arguments because you're like, oh, well, I wanted to move more towards like natural stuff. And now I'm growing it in this, you know, greenhouse 
that is artificial lighting uh, at night to, to grow these. And it's like, like, why are we getting so far dissociated from the land to honor the land? Like, it doesn't make sense, you know? Yeah, yeah, you definitely brought up a lot of good points. And I think I think that's absolutely true. Like when we think, yeah, like I think like veganism is portrayed as, you know, this sustainable thing. And perhaps we get that from the US. But like when you break it down, like you said right there, you know, if you're importing like sunflower seeds or almonds or olive oil or coconut oil, like shipping all of that takes a lot of, you know, it's it's pollution. So, yeah, I guess you're absolutely right when you break it down like that. Um, 100%. And I'm not even sure like what the what the correct like way to do to do this is. And I, I, I guess we'll just find out in the future. But when it comes to... I always think I'm like, I'm not smart enough to figure this stuff out. Yeah, no, it's too hard, yeah. I'm like, oh, yeah, there's a problem here, there's a problem here. But I 100% acknowledge that I'm like, I don't have the answer to do this. I'm like, I understand that I can pick and choose different things and have a more sustainable approach myself. Yeah. But again, I don't know how we put this into a mass scale, feed the world type of scenario and how we don't arrive to this, like, anti-natalist, like, oh, well, look, there's just too many people, so someone has to die and uh, it's not going to be me. Yeah, yeah, 100%. But I do think like some things you can naturally make a choice. For example, if you choose organic spinach versus non-organic spinach, like obviously organic is much better for the environment. It's much better for the soil, just good for your health in general, like less pesticides, less all those harmful toxins. So I think like, you know, in those kind of choices, yes, you should do that. Or like during the summer. Uh, yeah, like vegan January doesn't really make sense when you, I never thought about that actually, but yeah, like it should more, makes more sense to do in summer months when there's like more crops in Ireland, for example. So that's 100% true. But I, I do think like there's, there's like simple choices we can make each day to perhaps, you know, increase the sustainability, but like it's such a big problem. It can't be solved with just, you know, you know, yeah, it's definitely a big, big problem. But, you know, you've been involved with health and fitness for a while now. And I'm curious to know what kind of mistakes do people make? What are the common mistakes that people make in regards to nutrition, in regards to their training? Like, what are the popular mistakes that you see? Probably the biggest one is having an all or nothing mindset. And that's both in terms of their actual execution of a plan of action, but also in terms of how they view different topics. Like they don't come to different topics with an open mind. For example, like there might be people listening to this that have a completely opposite opinion to what I just said about mm. you know, January, for example. You know, and I would 100% be open and willing to listen to that you know whole thought process if it was like written out well and you know presented to me. And um, I'm not going to just listen to someone just babbling on about something, <laughs> you know. Mm. Um, but if it's if it's there, it's presented to me like I'll listen to that and I'll I'll take the information on board. But a lot of people don't actually do that. And I'm not saying that I'm some bastion of hope in a world that, you know, all oh, everyone else is, you know, imperfect and I'm just absolute perfection. Not at all. Like I definitely make mistakes myself and I definitely fall into this trap myself sometimes, especially around, you know, uh in, like different topics that, you know, evoke a more emotional response. You know, you might be like, I don't know, some political thing or philosophical thing or, you know, whatever else. Like say, again, we just said antinatalism, like that has a more emotional response to me. I'm like, no, like I, I want to have loads of kids. So I'm inherently going to be all or nothing against that, you mm. know? And um, so, but I think people fall into these different camps with nutrition, with training, with all of the stuff. And they, it, it's like, oh, I have to do all of the stuff that these people say I have to do. Um, and if I fall off that, then I'm a failure and I'm terrible or, you know, I shouldn't even try, you know. And obviously the execution of the plan of action is the same thing. People are like, oh, I was great until 
know, Tuesday afternoon and then I had like a, a cookie or whatever and uh, I'll just start again on Monday. And it's like, that's that's not a, a sustainable approach for your life. Like the, like the days of the week are arbitrary. Like I know we're dead set on having seven days a week, but they are actually arbitrary. Like, you know, it's like if you look in the future, you're not going to be like, oh, well, that was actually a Tuesday and that was actually Wednesday, like all these different events in your life. You're not going to remember that, you know, we are going to remember the events, you know, because what you actually do is what matters, not what you think, you know, it's like, oh, well, you actually did the stuff that you were supposed to do, you know. Um, so I, I think that all or nothing mindset like encompasses so many mistakes that people make, you know, both in terms of the execution of a plan, but also in terms of how they approach information. Like you might be like, oh, well, 100% we have to eat organic. You know, you're just like, that's, we, we have to do that. But, you know, you could find information about some, I don't know, various different, uh, for example, you might go to California and you might be like, oh, well, we're getting organic almonds. You know, you mentioned almonds earlier on, right? And you might be like, oh, well, that's going to be better, less pesticides, less whatever. However, like in, it, you, you shouldn't be growing almonds in California, you know, um, you used to do like flood irrigation to grow those almonds in, in, in California, you know. So California is drought ridden half the year. So these people are allowed because they're industry, you know, use up all this water and flood irrigate the land in a, a, a well, I was going to say a country, but a state that is prone to droughts, you know. That's not a sustainable approach. Yeah. And that's actually inflicting harm on other individuals. But forget about the individuals, the other humans. It's inflicting harm on the actual nature itself because the trees aren't getting you know, enough water. Uh, the, the animals, the plants, all the other stuff aren't getting enough water because you know some farmer is flood irrigating almonds because there's a huge demand for organic almonds. You know, it's like so it's an incredibly nuanced. Uh, argument and i can see already from you like your your thought process there you're not all or nothing about this you're like yeah like as a general framework i'm going to choose organic here but if there's information presented to me that this is not the best approach for this item of food you know you might be like right there's actually no difference between i don't know arbitrarily just organic strawberries and you know normal strawberries you're like there's there's no real difference if you're presented with that you're like okay cool well there's no difference i'm just i'll go for the ones that you know it doesn't matter you know and hmm. um, but a lot of people fall into a camp where it's like oh well that's not a, a paleo food or that's not a uh i don't know a vegan food or that's not a, a carnivore food or whatever it is you know or i only do like top sets and back off sets for my resistance training or like i do volume and or i do like this program or whatever it's like you shouldn't fall into these different camps you shouldn't have an ideology like yes you should have guiding principles, but you don't want to fall into a camp where it's like this, like your ideology could be summed up in one word. Like that's like, it's great for marketing, but it's probably not great for, you know, actually having a, a nuanced, uh, informative conversation. Yeah, that's very true. And I think, yeah, I think like just the ability to have an open mind about things and maybe act based on your current knowledge and do the best you can knowing what you know now but if new if a new point comes up you should change your actions based on that for example smoking used to be oh you know smoking's great you know keep smoking whatever it's great for your health all these doctors are smoking and, and then boom it's not good for you and that might that might happen with diet that might happen with even you know <laughs> yeah whatever so yeah i think it's so important to have an open mind because then you're not biased in a certain direction but um i guess how do you make the right decisions to eat the correct foods or, you know, live in a certain way? I guess 
but you never know the actual ultimate truth so you kind of have to just well do do what you can with what you know and then if something new comes up change it and be be okay with that Hmm. yeah i think people should be more okay with being wrong yeah yeah like i was saying i don't know if it was on the podcast or before the podcast but yeah like like i legitimately think i'm stupid right but (laughs) i'm like I'm, i'm willing to accept that and try to become less stupid every day you know what i mean like i'm like okay i'm stupid i just don't know all these things i know there's huge vast swathes of information out there that i just don't know so i'm like i in the grand scheme of things, I'm pretty stupid, you know? You yeah. might be like, oh, well, you have an inquisitive mind and you have whatever, so you have the tools to get smarter. But I'm like, no, I actually, if you were to look inside my mind, you'd be like, this guy is stupid. Like, he's actually stupid, right? And um, so I always approach different topics like that. I'm like, okay, well, I don't know. I don't know everything. I simply can't. You know, yeah. I haven't studied every single thing. I haven't read all the books. I haven't talked to all the people, you know? So I'm like, view of information that i don't have i'm like tell me it because i want to get better i want to know more you know i want to get less stupid like i don't want people thinking that i'm stupid you know like i don't want you to be like i had this conversation with that paddy guy from triage and man he was fucking stupid like it was it was a struggle to talk to him because he's so stupid Like, I, i don't want that to be the case i want to have a situation where people can come to me and be like I have this information about this. What are your thoughts on this? And me to have a well-educated opinion on this or the ability to be like, I don't know anything about that, but I know where to find more information about that or how to find information about that. Let me look it up or, you know, find more information. Um, And I think that's what everyone has to be willing to do. Just being like, I I don't know, like you could be wrong on half the stuff, you know, like I, sometimes I listen to the podcast we recorded, you know, two years ago or whatever. And I'm like, I don't have that belief anymore or right. I, I have that belief, but it's a little bit more nuanced. And, you know, I probably wouldn't have said it that uh, convincingly if, you know, it was today that we were recording that podcast, you know, or, you know, something I'm ri- I've written and like, we always periodically like update our articles hmm. every couple of months. And like, I'll be like, oh, that's just not the best way I could have written that paragraph or whatever, you know, or maybe there's a little bit of a uh, more information that gives a little bit more nuance or whatever, you know, and I'll, I'll update the article to reflect that. But sometimes you read something, you're like, and that was just terrible, terribly written. Or it's like, that's just not the best way that advice could have been like given, you know, like, so you might just basically scrap the whole article, rewrite it. Um, and we always try to do that, you know, periodically throughout the years because, like I, I, as I said, like I think I'm stupid. So you know, sometimes you write an article or you provide some content or you do whatever, and you're like, "This is the best information that I have right now." But since reading it or since writing this, I've read these other papers or these different books or you know whatever it is, and I have a better understanding of this topic, and I have more information to give you know nuance on these different topics. You know, and like I said earlier on about like you know like if you haven't studied like say farming in Ireland, you might make choices with regard to food because you're like, oh, well, that's that's a good choice for the environment. But that's because you're reading like an American blog or you're getting information from an American. It's like, it's not sustainable for Ireland. So unless you've read up on the Irish farming methods or, you know, Britain, they're, they're pretty similar. There, is some, there are some differences. Um, but you're just not going to know that information. You're not going to know that. Like you might just think, as, again, people are so dissociated from the, the actual, you know, earth 
and that they're like, oh yeah, like food just grows on trees and in the ground and stuff. It's grand, you know? And it's like, yeah, but not all food grows everywhere. You know, it's like, you can't just grow oranges out your back garden in Ireland, you know, like that's, that's not, like, that's not going to happen, you know? And so like stuff like that, you know, like, even though you advocate a diet that's, you know, healthy fish, whatever, or leads to fitness and whatever, it's like, you still have to take all these other things into account that you don't know. Like, and you don't know what you don't know. So you're, you're effectively in a situation where you're like always going to be making the uh, educated decision, or at least you hope it's an educated decision. And I think that is just good advice for everyone to keep in mind. It's like, just make an educated decision. You know, mm-hmm. like you could be wrong. If someone presents you with information in the future that proves you are wrong, cool. Now you know what is right. Like just move forward with that, you know, and don't get so caught up in your ideology that you're not able to do that. Um, yeah, hundred percent. And I think I think like you have a very humble attitude in regards to you call yourself stupid, and you know, like. Oh, I feel like sometimes the more you learn, like obviously you keep learning and that's why you feel that way. But And I feel like the more you learn, the more stupid you feel because like if you learn about a certain subject then you're just going to go down a rabbit hole and just learning all about that. But then you realize, oh, I'm actually missing some key information about this area. And then you go, go down the rabbit hole and it keeps happening. And I guess we'll never reach a point where we fully understand everything about the world. And we just kind of have to accept that. So we just kind of have to... I don't have a broad perspective of of different various things and be a generalist and kind of have a like a little bit of understanding of different subjects but like not being a expert in anything well of course you can be an expert but like do you know what I mean just have a perspective so I'm curious like what what do you do to have that perspective I know you're a big fan of stoicism and you read philosophy you're into history politics and what what sort of stuff do you read about well, if I'm reading, like I'm actually such a slow reader, so I mainly just listen to, to books, right? right. But I'll, I'll read like uh, textbooks because I'm like, it's, it's obviously too hard to listen to a textbook and get all the nuance mm-hmm. from it, you know? And like, maybe you want to make some notes on different things. Like I said, there's like biochemistry textbooks here beside me, different, you know, health nutrition textbooks here beside me. So I'll read that kind of stuff because obviously that's related to my field. But what I always try to do rather than listening to music when i'm commuting Podcast. or you know whatever i'll just listen to podcasts or audiobooks or you know whatever else and um, because i'm like and i'll, I'll try to listen to them in like either double speed or triple speed depending mm-hmm. on you know the reader who's talking you know sometimes people have really like I, I tend to talk really fast so i can't imagine people listen to you know my my podcast in triple speed because it'd be like you know some other people like joe rogan if you listen to his podcast like you could listen to that easily in triple speed because yeah talk so slow or if you ever listen to the jocko willing podcast like you could listen to that in five times speed because you know he's slow when he talks really you know it's like you could easily speed that up like quite and the content a bit, matters you know? too i guess yeah exactly like someone will obviously again if i something that i'm really familiar with it's like i can listen to that faster because like i'm yeah. familiar with it i know the terms i'm not thinking what does that mean or what did he say there? like i'm familiar with it like obviously if it's new content and um, it'll be slower you know and um, but yeah i always just try to listen to audiobooks or podcasts like generally what i do is i'll I'll listen to like four audiobooks like in a row, right? And that'll let my podcasts accumulate, like the ones, the various ones that I'm, you know, uh, subscribed to. It'll let a few of them accumulate. And then I'll clear them all out. 
and then I'll go on like listen to four audiobooks again and then I'll accumulate them and I'll just keep switching between those different things. And um, so yeah, like I'm always always listening to like I think I was one of the early adopters to Audible. <laughs> um because I seem to have had it on my devices for fucking ever, you know? Um because I used to cycle everywhere, you know, cycle to work, do whatever. And it's just there's only so much music that you can listen to. And I don't really like music. Like I'm like, yeah, it can be nice additive I and sometimes you. you might listen to a song but i'm not like oh i can't wait to listen to this new whatever artist song you know i'm not like it's not like i'm a sports fan or a music fan i'm like yeah it's, that's good music or that's not good music but i'd rather just listen to a book or listen to a conversation about a topic you know especially like i always think like joe rogan is like the the wikipedia of uh, podcasts because he just gets a variety of people on so like, obviously i don't listen to all of his but you know if you have someone interesting on i'll be like oh i want to listen to their yeah. perspective on this topic or you know so I, I find stuff like that and there's a few of those like uh some of them are health and fitness although i always try to not consume health and fitness content unless again it's like someone that i really respect or that i enjoy their content and um, or i think that they have good like i might be like i actually disagree with this individual about x y and z but i think they have good perspectives on these other things and it also helps me widen my perspective like we were saying earlier on like you don't want to have this all or nothing ideologically driven you know belief system you know mm-hmm. and, and also sometimes you could have the same idea about a topic but have a difference in opinion on how to deal with that topic you know for example like you know the obesity epidemic you know it's like how do you actually deal with that? Some people are like, oh, we should have a, a sugar tax. And some people are like, you know, we should uh, incentivize uh, like skinnier people or fitter people or healthier people. And it's like all of these arguments have pros and cons to them. And it's like, I, I like, as I said earlier on, like just, you know, expanding out these arguments and being like, let's actually just follow that. Like, what does that actually mean? Like, if we just go, what's the next thing that happens? What's the next thing that happens? And I find like podcasts and books and stuff are, are good for that. If the, uh, the the individual is good at you know presenting the topic or you know presenting their opinion and um, podcasts can be good for that uh, but sometimes I actually prefer audiobooks because they're more succinct in terms of it's not rambling like we came to this there's no real plan for what yeah. exactly we're yeah. going to talk about you know and so you can kind of end up rambling a little bit like that doesn't happen in uh, an audiobook like not mm-hmm. someone's not going to ramble on five paragraphs and write them they're just going to be like right how do i say this in one sentence you know and right. so they, they can be very good for that obviously and um, but obviously you, you can sometimes miss the the human connection or you know the different uh, opinions that a few like say you have a panel of people talking about a topic like they can have differences of opinion and you know you can obviously listen through how they they navigate that you know and um, but yeah, I actually try not to listen to like health and fitness stuff unless it's you know appealing to me because I'm like, I just rather read the source material like the a textbook or a paper or whatever else. Like obviously some of the stuff is like, you can't find that in a textbook or a paper. Like if it's like a coaching practice, like you're listening to a high level coach and they're talking about how they navigate, like getting people to eat a calorie appropriate diet. It's like, you're not going to find that in a book anywhere. You know, that's someone's opinion. And that could be very beneficial for, you know, my business and stuff. So I'm like, yeah, listen, I'll listen to that, you know? And, but mainly I just listen to like history books, uh, politics, um, or, you know, we'll say philosophical books. 
Um, I know you're probably going to be like, all right, give me your, your recommendations for, you know, the top 10 books that you have or whatever. But man, like, I actually don't, There's like, no such I get thing. This, yeah, I'm like, I, I just, I can never narrow it down in terms of like, oh, this book changed my life or, you know, oh, this was a great book or, you know, or even this writer is great. I'm like, there's so many, so much information out there that I'm like, you'd need to just narrow it down and be like, oh, I want to learn about this topic. Like, for example, like we have a, like me and two of my other friends, uh, we have like a, a history book club, you know, where we just go, okay, this month we're learning about this topic. You know, like last month we were learning about the Normans. Like we just pick a topic. We're like, okay, I don't know about this, you know? So let's, let's read up about these guys, you know, like what, what happened throughout the history here, you know, how did this influence like the, the current modern day, you know, and we'll just listen to books on that or, you know, read books on that. And then at the end of it, we'll just either meet up or, you know, over uh, WhatsApp or Facebook messenger or whatever. We'll just be like, Oh, what did you learn? Blah, blah, blah. What's the next topic, you know? So stuff like that keeps me interested. And sometimes you get it like a really interesting topic. Like you're like, Oh, I didn't know anything about this. And I'll end up listening to like eight audio books yeah. on like, like a hyper niche, topic you know it's like i don't know uh some random tribe in the amazon or something you're just like what like well, how did i get down this this rabbit hole with this stuff you know and um, so i don't know like i like science books as well obviously because that's what i find interesting um but they're kind of some of the science books i listen to are well good and some of them are just like they're very uh lay people orientated which is well, actually that's good for some topics but some topics it's like they they dumb down the topic too much that you actually lose the 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 information you know like it's like you think you're going to get into a nice uh meaty uh audio book on something but then it's just like oh yeah and here's the very generic overview of this and I'm like oh, like i already like you could, re- you could pull up a wikipedia article and you dare like you that i could have read one article and i had your entire book you know listened to you know so yeah i don't have recommendations for books um i'm sorry no that's cool um well i think i think listening is such a good form of consuming content and i was the same as you like um just listening to audiobooks it wasn't actually necessarily audible for me i think it was youtube i started listening to like a lot of um like yeah just youtube videos like speeches um, by by just various speeches like Jim Rome for example Brian Tracy I used to listen to those guys and then I found like audiobooks on YouTube listen to them and so on it's such a good form of um you know consuming information but I also think books are useful because you can kind of underline stuff you can think about stuff you can question things and I think just generally they help you come to terms with the author meaning you know you understand you're at the same understanding level as you ought to were like with audiobooks you kind of just listen through and then maybe you forget some stuff but i think i think it's still beneficial because um like it's still going to give you that perspective about things and it'll help you later on even though you you mightn't necessarily remember remember every single fact or detail you're still going to have some sort of knowledge about that subject and it's gonna yeah influence your perspective i think hmm. yeah like i just like them because i'm like i could be doing anything else yeah i can go for a walk exactly go to the gym do all these other things and i'm like i don't have to sit down you know and and read a book which kind of feels like work to me not that i don't like work but it's kind of like like that's what i do for work i'm like i'm reading and writing all day i'm like i don't want to be reading for my leisure time as well i'd rather you know i want the information but i don't want to be sitting there like reading as i said like i feel like i'm a slow reader like i used to have i used to have dyslexia like they 
I was diagnosed with dyslexia, but mm. I don't think I do anymore, which you can actually grow out of it. And, but I just think I was, again, stupid as a child. I <laughs> um, just couldn't read properly. But um, so I, I feel like I'm a slower reader. So I'm like, oh, I'd rather just like, I can listen to an audiobook in triple speed and get all the information in my head. Like, I'm, I feel like I can listen to the information better than I can read the information. So for me, I'm like, the perfect medium, listen to an audiobook or listen to a podcast, double or triple speed, boom, I get all the information, can read or sorry, listen to uh, four books per week if I wanted to, you know? Yeah. Well, Paddy, I could literally talk about these things for hours and days, but we do need to finish up at some point because I think I can't upload beyond 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 a certain point. So I guess we're just going to close off the podcast with some rapid fire questions. So if there was a billboard and you could display any message on that billboard, so anyone in the whole world can just walk along the street, looks up at the sky and sees this big giant billboard just chilling there in the sky, what would you put up on that billboard? Oh, it's a hard one because the message I would like Mm -hmm. versus the message I probably would give to the majority of people, they're, they're not going to be the same. Like I'd probably put up something like, for me, I'd be like, don't be a loser because I think that's, good life advice you know like just don't like there's winners and there's losers just choose to be a winner you know Mm. that's not always going to be the case you know but if you have a choice to make just choose the thing that's going to lead to you winning and like just don't be a loser you know but unfortunately again obviously like i'm not that's something that would resonate with me you know but obviously someone that's down on their luck and you know through no fault of their own you know their business is closed down because of coronavirus and whatever else you know maybe that's not the the kick that they need (laughs) and you'll yeah. be a loser and you're like all right well i just lost everything thanks you know and maybe it is the kick that they need that they're just like right well again like a more stoic approach to it they're like oh well yeah look it wasn't look I, i'm not gonna let this affect me you know i'm still gonna be a winner you know even though i, I lost i'm still gonna be a winner and go forward with it but again that's not necessarily going to resonate with everyone in terms of the message that i would give everyone it would probably be just do your best, you know, because like you look at it, like very few people actually give their best. Like very few people actually try, you know, they just don't even try because they're just like, Oh, I don't want to fail or they don't want to put in any effort and be seen to fail or they're just not willing to put themselves out there. You know, but I always look at it. I'm like, like the, the place in the world that has the most amount of information, the, the best songs, the, the, the best cure to cancer or whatever. It's probably the graveyard. Like think of all the people that died that just didn't do what they could have done. You know, now obviously some of it's true, no fault of their own. Like, you know, you're in war or something. It's like, you know, like your, your village got fucking annihilated, you know, bombed or whatever. It's like, like it's not your fault that you were working on X and, you know, uh, an atomic bomb was dropped on you. You know, like that's, you know, yeah. it happens but i'm like loads of people go through their whole lives and you talk to them and they'll be like i have this great idea about this and you know whatever and they'll explain it and they'll have all these elaborate plans and all this and it's like why don't you do it like that's all that you have left to do is actually to do it and they're just like oh no I, i could never do that so i'm like just do your best you know, put your best foot forward. Sometimes it's not going to be good enough. Sometimes the idea or, you know, thoughts that you have are going to not work out and they're going to be shit, you know, (laughs) but like, that's all part of the process. Like we look at it, like humans, like we're all like 
Most people don't know how their phone works. Most people don't know how electricity works. Most people don't know how the internet works. Like you still use it. So think of all the times people failed in creating something like that. You know, that all led to that point where we now have those things and we just take them for granted. You know, think of the amount of your ancestors or potentially ancestors that, you know, were killed off that, you know, they're not actually your ancestors. They're just, you know, previous humans, et cetera. And, that died doing absolutely stupid stuff that you now go, Oh Jesus, I would never do that. That's, that's stupid. You know? So like people are, we're supposed to make mistakes, you know? So don't be afraid and you know, just do your best. Hmm. Uh, question number two, what have you changed your mind on recently? Hmm. I don't know really like, that I've fully changed my mind. I don't know. There's some things that maybe I've had uh, a more nuanced understanding of, but I don't think there's been much recently that I've changed my mind. And I, I know that kind of sounds like, oh, you just have a fixed mindset now and you just like, <laughs> oh, you just think you have everything right. But like, I don't think that I have, I don't think I have a fixed mindset like that, but also I don't think that I have put myself into a position where, you know, I'm like, oh, 100%, this is the one way to do something and then have to change my mind, you know? Mm-hmm. So I don't like, off the top of my head, I can't really think of something that I'm like, I, I changed my mind on that. I've done a, a complete 180 and now I believe this, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I get you. And what are you currently most curious about? Hmm. Well, currently, I'm most curious about how to make my business even better and reach more people. But that's uh, probably not the answer that uh, you, you want. And um, I don't know. I'm kind of really going down a rabbit hole with like clinical biochemistry, like blood markers and different things like that, and how that kind of intersects with you know, like what you like a normal person would actually be trying to manage or track or do whatever with, you know um because obviously not everyone needs to go out and get like hormone testing and you know uh, mineral testing and micronutrient testing and all that kind of stuff you know like that that's not necessary for everyone so i'm kind of like like what are the stuff that needs to be done and what is the stuff that you know is beneficial and how do you interpret that stuff so i'm kind of going down a, a bit of a rabbit hole with that stuff i have like three books all around me here but anyway. hmm. and what are the three key takeaways you took from your degree in biochemistry hmm I don't know if we say learning in general, I think that like you you have to be open to being wrong um, and that there's people that are smarter than you, especially around topics that they like study all the time themselves. And you're just like a a filthy casual in, in regard to this, this topic, like um, that's probably the biggest thing that I've taken away from it. Um, I don't know. Other than that, like, I feel like, I'm not saying that the, the course was useless, but I'm like, I, I feel like uh, I read more and understand more and get more information from books. And it's that, that, that the degree is not even facilitating that, you know, pointing me in the right direction mm-hmm. rather than providing me with like, this is the answer or this is even how you should think about things or anything like that. And um, I, I don't think there's anything that's kind of, coming to the top of my mind with that um yeah i get you 
Um, if you could master any three skills instantly, what would they be? Probably the ability to learn information like like that. Like it just, you read it, you see it, whatever. You just go straight into your mind. Because I think yeah. that just encompasses everything that you would want. Like other than that, like you actually don't need anything else. You yeah. know, like if you master the skill of learning, like you've mastered everything because all you have to do is put your focus on it, you know? And so you could say then the second thing that I would like to master is the ability to focus, you know, because, you know, the ability to learn without the ability to focus is probably not great because you're like, oh, I can learn anything I absolutely want to. All I have to do is focus on something and then you can't focus on something. Like that's that's probably not going to lead to the the outcomes that you want, you know? So like that's something that I've had to cultivate over years, like being able to like sit down and, you know, read information. And even if it's interesting stuff, you know, like your phone is always more interesting, you know, it's like, Oh, I'll go on Instagram or I'll go on Facebook or, you know, I'll talk to my friends or I'll do that, whatever, you know, like even if you're in the most enthralling book or whatever, like it's not as interesting as going out and seeing your friends or, you know, going for a walk or whatever, you know? So that's something I've definitely had to cultivate and, so that would definitely be a very beneficial skill if I could just have it like that or anyone could just have it and mm. give you a pill and you can just focus. Like that would be unreal. Um, but there isn't such a thing. There's stuff that maybe helps, but it's not great. So learning and focus. And what is the best investment you ever made? Now this investment, it might be time, it might be energy, it might be money. Just in general, what's the best investment you ever made? Hmm. it's probably just investing in an audible subscription (laughs) like realistically like i get so much from that like as i said like generally what i'll do is like you have your subscription to give you one free credit a month and then i buy three other credits per month so and you can refund it too actually yeah exactly you know um so I, i basically end up reading or sorry listening to four books every month you know? Yeah. And so that's probably the greatest investment I've ever, I've ever put in. And obviously you have to put in time for that as well and energy and effort and whatever else, but that's realistically, that's it. And I know that comes back to kind of like learning, but it's a simple investment, but it pays off. Hmm. Now I'm not going to ask you what book you recommend the most. I'm going to ask what books have you gifted the most to other people? The, the books that I've gifted the most there's actually is it three books that are all have the same title. Um, one is What is Life by Erwin Schrodinger. Um, it's a physics book. I don't know if you know about Erwin Schrodinger, but he's asking this question before we basically had biochemistry. So like we didn't even have the double helix, you know, the like DNA and stuff. We didn't know that. He, he actually was the inspiration for Watson and Crick for discovering the, the double helix, you know. Um, so that book, Watson, or uh, what is life and there's another one called what is life as well uh, by <laughs> Addie prose um and that's uh basically how order uh, emerges out of chaos um in terms of you know it's very chemistry heavy but it's actually very user friendly in terms of you know you, as a lay person you don't actually need to know chemistry to understand it but it actually is very very interesting in terms of uh you know, basically working off what Erwin Schrodinger wrote in What Is Life and then finishing that off. And um, 
I don't know if this is this called the exact same thing, which is would be odd if it was, but <laughs> um, the a book by uh, Jim Al Khalili and uh, Brian or John Joe McFadden actually, um, and it's about uh, quantum biochemistry in everyday life, you know, which is rather strange. But as I said, like I, I like thinking about these things where it's like, oh, uh, what's this random? Let's let's follow this this thought process, and they're kind of going through the same things that are covered in those other two books as well uh, in terms of like how how did like life just come about like what are these like well they're they're looking at from the the quantum perspective and like quantum physics perspective of like like there are organisms that like we use quantum physics and that was something that people didn't think would be possible because if if life uses quantum physics then potentially the brain is a quantum computer already, you know, like that's the, the kind of the, the thought process. And if we have a quantum computer in the brain, then we could make quantum computers because we would just model the brain and, and then we have quantum computing and then we have, you know, unbelievable civilization. So like they're kind of going that kind of thought process of like there's these different quantum processes that occur in life. So wow. how does that go forward? You know, so they're the books that I've given the most pretty interesting and if you had three mentors alive or dead who just follow you around you you always have them for advice you give them a call whatever who would they be so three mentors alive or dead see it really depends like like are we talking for you like, personally how i should live my life or how i should you know do my training or do all that kind of stuff i'll let because... you decide <laughs> Who would you like um, to have as your mentors? I love asking these questions. So much of yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Like, it's so hard to like narrow it down. Because like, sometimes you believe or you enjoy the perspective of certain people about certain things. Mm. And you're just like, oh, I actually completely disagree with you on these these other things i actually don't think i could pick three mentors like genuinely could not pick three mentors even if they were like you put a gun to my head like i i, I would just be picking random names being like oh yeah i uh, pick einstein and uh, uh gandhi and you know whatever like yeah like i don't think being honest i could actually whittle it down and be like these are the people that are the, the ones that i would be like oh, i'll entrust my life to you you know mm. Well, it's probably my fault for asking that question, but I think that, that what my intention was um, to find out people that you respect, people that you follow closely um, that could give you, you know, guidance, like who do you look up to for advice? So I, I guess that was my real intention. So maybe that helps. But even that, like, I don't know, it's hard because like I, I talk to different people for different things. For, yeah, like, I'll true. give you an example. For, for example, like I, I like Irving Schrodinger. He was one of the ones that I said in that mm-hmm. one, What Is Life There, that book, right? And um, great physicist and whatever else. But like he effectively got kicked out of England because he had a wife and a mistress. And Eamon de Valera actually invited him to Ireland to work in Trinity College. And you wouldn't think this because we're at the time we were a very Catholic country. And Eamon de Valera was like, "Yeah, you can actually, uh, you know, have your mistress and your wife, and we'll just we won't say anything about it because you're such an influential, uh, you know, physicist. You know, we just want to have you." 
in Ireland, you know? So I don't know if I would go to him for marital advice or, you know what I mean? But I'd be like, oh, your perspective on all, on all of these things in physics mm. and whatever else. I'm like, they were great. Like they were actually really influential for me. So I don't know. It's hard. Right. Okay. Um, two more questions for you. So let's imagine you're dying and you have no material wealth. You're allowed to pass on one to two pieces of wisdom or thoughtful advice to your young adult children, your one of six or children, whatever. Um, this is the only inheritance you can leave behind. What one to two pieces of wisdom would you pass on to your children so, so they could apply to, to, the, to their own lives? Hard work is always rewarded, you know? Um, that's probably what I would say. Like, I don't know, if I could... I'd have to obviously think about it more, but if I could somehow instill the thought process that if you work hard, you can achieve whatever you want to achieve, that would be what I would want to, you know, give them, you know? So whether I wrote an entire, you know, essay on the the merits of hard work and that was their inheritance, um, or I could distill it down into one sentence, that message of like work hard, that's, that's what I would uh, try to pass on. Mm-hmm. And the final question for you is, what is your definition of chasing passion? It depends if we're talking about your your actual, it's always it depends. Uh, it depends if we're talking about your career or your, like we'll say hobbies, because I think a lot of people make their, passion into a career and end up not being passionate about it anymore because you know they've effectively we'll say commoditized it you know which you know that's potentially a good thing you know like that's effectively what i have done you know but that's not necessarily what i would recommend to other people for example my girlfriend really enjoys like drawing doing artistic things and but every time someone asks her to like i don't know paint them a painting and they're like oh i'll pay you for it like she hates the process, you know, like yeah. she's, she's no longer passionate about it, you know, even though if they had just said it in passing, she probably would have done it for them, you know? Um, but once it becomes like a commodity, she's just, she loses all interest. Hmm. So I find loads of people are like that um, about different things. Like again, one of my other friends really interested in like Roman history, you know, like probably the most knowledgeable person I know about Roman history, you know? Um, and he was thinking about, oh, how can I make this into like a career or whatever? And he tried writing some articles about it. And he was like, I actually don't enjoy this now, you know? So I don't know. If we're talking about your career, you want to pick a career that you are passionate about, or at least you can get passionate about, you know? But if we're talking about your everyday life, like chasing your passion doesn't mean that you have to monetize your your passion, you know? And um, but at the same time, you probably should do some things, again, talking about the health and fitness stuff from a lifestyle perspective, you should probably should be engaging in things throughout the week that do actually genuinely bring you joy, you know, and that could be, you know, going to the gym, it could like, that could be the thing that you're like, that's what I really love, you know, it could be sports, it could be whatever, you know, it could be reading, it could be, you know, recording podcasts, <laughs> I don't know, like, whatever it is for you, it's like, you know, the more you can engage in that meaningful, um, endeavor like that's going to be you chasing your passion you know and again you, you don't have to monetize that like that doesn't have to be something that is monetized at the end of the day it, it can be something that you just do as a hobby and that you derive you know joy from hmm. 
Well, Paddy, like I said, we could talk about these things for literally hours, but we do need to finish up at some point. So where's a good place to find you? Where's a good place to go if people want to reach out to you, if people want to ask you a question, if people want to see what you're up to? Where's a good place to go? Where should people go? The best place to go is probably just our website, triagemethod.com. And like I would say Instagram and stuff, but like I rarely go on Instagram. I think it's a, a pretty bad medium for communication. Mm-hmm. And, and it's supposed to be social media. And if it's not social, I'm like, well, like, what's the point? Um, so yeah, just the website. That's probably the best way. Like we have all our details up there, all our different information, our emails and you know, whatever else. So once you go there, you, you find everything. Like, yeah, we can you can go on YouTube, find us there. We have our own podcast, but like all of those things are linked on the website. So if you're genuinely interested and you're like, oh, I like the perspective that he had about X, Y, and Z, like mm-hmm. we probably have written a topic about it, you know, or written an article about that topic. So we'll probably have an article on site about it. So you can read further into that or it'll be coming in the future, you know? Yeah, and for listeners, like Triage Method is a great, great resource. And I'm going to link all these in the show notes and you'll find it on chasingpassionpodcast.com forward slash slash 61. And Paddy, any final thoughts, any final comments, any wisdom you want to say, anything else you want to say before we finish up? That's just what we say at the end of all our podcasts and a lot of our social media, but it is too easy. Like once you keep that too easy mindset, like like once you genuinely start thinking of the tasks that you have ahead of you are too easy, like you will succeed in life. You know, like if you start thinking things are too hard, they're going to be too hard. So again, as I said earlier on, like the, the message I would like in the sky is like, don't be a loser. Like, so if you can make yourself more on that winner scale, you know, you can push yourself towards that. I think that too easy mindset really does help with that. Awesome. Thank you so much. thank you so much for listening to this week's episode and i really hope you enjoyed it you can find all the show notes on the website chasingpassionpodcast.com just before we finish up would you consider leaving a short review on app podcast this will take less than 60 seconds and it'll help me out so much you can find a link for app podcast in the episode description or just search chasing passion on app podcast and you'll find it right there if you do enjoy the podcast give it a share tell your friends it will be super super helpful thanks so much for listening and have a great day